You're listening to the Group Practice Exchange Podcast, a podcast for psychotherapy group practice owners where you learn the business side of running a group practice. I'm your host, Maureen Werbach. This episode is sponsored by Therapy Notes. Therapy Notes is a practice management and EHR software that helps behavioral health professionals manage their practice with confidence and efficiency. I've been using Therapy Notes in my own group practice for about five or six years now, and they're hands down amazing. They've got a scheduling and to-do list that is so easy to look at, a notes template that is amazing and exactly what you need, billing that has accurate reports that you can use, credit card processing system, a client portal that's constantly being updated, security, and tech support that is amazing. You can call and actually talk to someone right away. If you're looking for an EHR that can give you everything you need to run your group practice smoothly, try Therapy Notes out by going to www.therapynotes.com forward slash the group practice exchange, and you'll get two free months to try them out. Hey everyone, my name is Lindsay Keisman, and I'm back again to be your host for this episode of the Group Practice Exchange Podcast. We've already talked about some great topics, and I'm ready to get into another important topic, which is change management. So I want to start by talking about what I mean by change management, Uh, and it's meant to describe the process of evaluating how you're going to go about managing the change that's going to happen in your business. So on a large-scale example, we see this when, let's say, a small hospital system is bought out by a much larger healthcare system. The change management process for that can take multiple years. They have to make all sorts of changes to every single department, every single building, every single contract they have, every single staff person, all the HR benefits, and so on and so on. And here's the thing is that On our scale in the group practice journey, many of us are in a change management process and we don't even realize it, but that's really what I'm hoping to change after today's podcast. So let's scale back down to our group practice and think about some of the types of changes that can be made in a group practice that could benefit from a more structured change management process. So examples that I can think of are, you know, moving to a new location, bringing on leadership into your business changing leadership, uh, adding support staff, expanding your business into a second, a third, a fourth, a fifth location, adding a new service line, changing your EHR, rolling out or restructuring your benefits package, uh, moving from independent contractors to W-2. And these are all you know, good examples of things that we might do in a group practice journey. And, you know, we're dreaming and we're scheming to create this awesome, clear vision of the changes we want to make in our business. And the one thing that's for sure is that, you know, our staff, they've been in the dark while we've been deciding, you know, if we want to make a change and what that change is actually going to look like. And as leaders, we're in a position of having to quietly deliberate with ourselves or maybe a trusted person in our life. But, We certainly are not going to let our staff in on the crazy chaos happening in our head about what we could do or could not do over the next year with organizational decisions, cash flow, our staffing needs, and our business. You know, a larger practice might have a practice manager or clinical director who would be part of a preliminary conversation about changes that we could make, and we definitely want their opinion and their advice. 
Um, but I know for me, I'm not even willing to bring up certain things to, you know, my clinical director unless I know I'm already okay with the idea or all of the ideas that I might bring up to them looking for, you know, her feedback. So as an example, uh, over this past year, I've been uh, reevaluating my next three-year business plan, which, you know, we should do on a regular basis. And I was considering all sorts of options. A ton of things were swimming around in my head. But the conversation that I had with her only kind of brought up, you know, three or four things that I was already willing uh, to really invest time in. So we were talking about whether or not I wanted to add a third location. Um, I wanted to maybe start a professionals program uh, or create a first responders group. And, And then we were talking also about whether or not instead we should offer, you know, a more robust training package for our clinicians or even a better benefits package. And, you know, all these things were going to be a considerable investment of my time and energy and the business money, um, which was okay. And I was okay talking with my clinical director about all of those things to get her opinion. Um, But once again, sometimes we're not even bringing everybody else into the picture. And we certainly aren't telling maybe our frontline staff about those things until we're ready. So this brings me to my point um, is that, you know, once we've decided to change something, we are so ready for this change to happen. We're excited and optimistic, maybe a little nervous, but, you know, we're, we're ready. Um, we're eager. And, you know, this can put us in a dangerous position because we need to be careful to take into consideration the feelings of our staff and their own readiness for change. So change management is a term we use in industrial organizational psychology to talk about how we're going to manage a change process. Some of us in our own clinical worlds are familiar with the stages of change model that includes pre-contemplation, contemplation, preparation, action, and the maintenance phase. And if you are familiar with this and you can think of it like this, While I, as the practice owner, have been in a preparation phase for a while and I'm ready to move into the action phase, my staff has been sitting in the pre-contemplation phase completely unaware that this was going to happen. And so keeping that in mind can help us keep some perspective on why we need to consider the change management process and how we might want to roll that out. So whether you're introducing a new structure, new leadership, moving your location, changing your phone system or your computer system, we realize that our staff has not been on the same mental journey that we have. And even if we feel like we're nearing the end and we're really ready to kind of get this moving, they're just hearing this and experiencing it for the first time. So I want to talk about some tips to help with the change management process that hopefully will, you know, be helpful regardless of the types of change that you might make in your business. So um, tip number one is, you know, whether you can, you know, casually do this um, or more clearly do this, you know, start talking about the needs of the organization well before talking about the solutions you're considering, So as an example, when I brought on my clinical director, I'd mentioned the concept of creating a sustainable business um, for about a year beforehand. And I talked with my staff about how it was my mission for the year that putting in systems and procedures and making opportunities for leadership would likely be a part of helping me reach that goal of sustainability. 
So this helped a lot because it allowed me to introduce my new clinical director with a preface about how this played into my sustainability goal that I had told them more than a year ago about. And because my staff was familiar with this, it didn't come as a total shock or a total surprise. And it made sense to them, not only the fact that they were prepared that this might happen, but they also knew the why behind it was important to bring on a clinical director into our business. So once again, you know, try to start talking about what the needs of the business are before, you know, creating the solution um, as much as much as possible. It's not always possible, but when you can, it's a great uh, tip to do. Um, so number two is I recommend doing a quick inventory of your staff and um, think about the change that you're going to make and how each person might respond to the change you're making. This can really inform how you might roll it out or who might need some extra attention when you do roll out this change. Um, So as an example, um, you know, there's one person in my group that had a really, really hard time when we changed our phone system because technology was just not her strong suit. Um, But she was not somebody that I even thought twice about when we rolled out the news about the clinical director. But when I rolled out the news about the clinical director, there was one different staff person who I knew might have a harder time with this information and this news and this change. So this really helped me be prepared for how the different people might react, how I could be preventative and proactive for any concerns that might come up and address them right away. So tip three is to really think about the best way to give out this news about the change. You know, in this day and age, Email is so easy. Some of us are doing newsletters or video newsletters to our staff because it can be hard to get together. Some of our group practices are set up where we have regular staff meetings or regular access to all sit in a room with one another. And there's so many ways we can do this from email to in-person to small group to one-on-one. But really thinking about, you know, who should be involved, when should this be done, you know, what time of day, what day of the week should this be done, and just remembering that the way we do something matters a lot, and depending on the change that you're making might influence how you think that that information needs to be rolled out, right? So as an example, with my phone system change, you know, that that rolled out in an email, and then um, we talked about it later. Whereas when I made a big decision to let everybody know about opening our second location, which was going to change a lot about our business, I did that in person as a whole large group. So um, along with that tip, you know, once you give the news, um, make sure you don't rush through it. Um, Remember that their minds are going to be moving quickly depending on the change that you're talking about, right? So let's say we're talking about adding another location, right? Um, keep in mind that people are going to have thoughts like, what does this mean to me? And why did they decide to do this? And is this going to impact my schedule or my routine or have any impact on my home life or when I get off of work or my kids or the type of work that I might be doing? So, you know, people's minds get uh, flooded with all sorts of thoughts. So it's really important that you go through the basics of the decision more than once And sometimes it's even helpful to go through it more than once in different ways. So, uh, for example, 
you know, when I told everybody about our second location, we did that as a big old group. But then I followed up with emails and I also um, followed up, you know, over the course of the six months it took us to do that, occasionally one-on-one with people in our administrative meetings together. I mean, it just helped reinforce uh, that, you know, there was time for them to understand it and to ask questions. So, um, Going into my next tip is really just to make sure that you're communicating frequently um, and that you make it easy for your staff to access the people, whether that's you or other leadership or other outside support that they need when it's coming to this change process. So as an example, back to my phone system change, I remember I really underestimated just how much support each individual person would need as far as setting up their greetings and getting it loaded into their phone and understanding how, you know, the system was going to work. And so, you know, reflecting back on that, I wish I would have made myself and the other person that was familiar with the phone system have a little bit more free time blocked in our schedule to have assisted people with that. And I think it would have gone quicker because uh, what really happened is we had to squeeze it in whenever we had a chance. So it wasn't as smooth as I could have made it. um, And that was something that I did reflecting back. Uh, I like to talk about, you know, a different type of change, which is, you know, if you're transitioning management or leadership positions, so making sure that, you know, let's say you've got somebody moving from a therapist position to a clinical director position, or maybe you've got somebody moving from therapist to site supervisor or site supervisor into clinical director, Uh, or maybe you're having an outside brand new person come into that role, somebody we don't know. It's always best if possible to have that person who held the role beforehand if they're still there to you know make the transition smooth right work with the new leader have the old leader work with the new leader for a period of time to make sure that everybody's feeling confident and comfortable that they've got the security of somebody that they're familiar with and know while the new leader is taking on their role and not having it be just such a stark kind of black and white, okay, this person's now not doing this, this person now is doing that. It's always nice if you can have a transition period. So I want to talk about the last step in change management um, that I'd recommend. And I think a lot of people forget this step, which is, you know, once you've completed the entire change, right, is to do a debriefing session, You'll want to debrief as the practice owner and also maybe even ask a few, you know, key stakeholders that were involved for their opinions. And remember, their opinion is not about what you changed, right? So it isn't about promoting a clinical director. It isn't about the phone system. It isn't about switching an EHR. It's about how they felt you handled the change process. What could have been better to make the change process easier? What went well? And what would you never do again? Okay. So in debriefing, we're really looking to learn from that so that we can impact, you know, future decisions and changes in our business and the change management process really smoothly. And remember that it's all about something that you can hone in on to customize to your team and your culture and improve upon each time you make a big change. There's no perfect way to do change management. There's general guidelines to it. 
but remembering that you can customize this to your team, your culture, what you want this to look like, and what works best for the people that work for you. So I hope this has been helpful. Once again, I'm Lindsay Keisman in for a podcast takeover series. If you want to learn more about me, I'm one of the coaches. I'm the Group Practice Exchange, and you can find me at thegrouppracticeexchange.com by clicking on the menu button that says Get Coaching. Also, you can find me on the Exchange membership doing a monthly Q&A for members. I'm looking forward to one more episode in the takeover. Until then, I hope you all have a really great day. Bye. Need a new accountant or bookkeeper? Meet Green Oak Accounting. They're an accounting firm that works specifically with mental health practices, both solo and group. And they do all of your accounting needs from budgeting to accounting to bookkeeping and payroll to building your dashboard. And on top of that, they can help you set up your Profit First systems. So if you're thinking of using Profit First or currently use them, go to Green Oak Accounting and check them out. You can check them out at www.greenoakaccounting.com. Mention the Group Practice Exchange and get $100 off your first month. Thanks for listening to the Group Practice Exchange podcast. We'll see you next time.